0: Hey everyone, uh, Jason Klein here. I'm the senior minister here at Refocus Christian Church, uh, located in v. West Virginia. I just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening to our content. Uh, Feel free to share or like or leave any comments you have. Uh, We're always looking to engage with people. Uh, What are some questions you have? What are some things that you might be learning? Uh, And at the same time, if you want to know more about us, check us out at refocuschurch.com, which also has a link to our Facebook there. Uh, And so it just has as a, upcoming events things that are going on uh, sermon series that we're in uh, so once again thanks for being a part of this thank you for listening in and as always please feel free to share and comment or like because uh, we want to make sure that we're trying to reach as many people possible uh, with the good news of jesus christ all right have a great day Before we get into the final part of the the series, first fruits. Uh, the last couple weeks, we've been talking about what does it really mean when God asks us for our first fruits. Uh, in Old Testament. So you go back to Israel. There was this understanding for them. Uh, they were crops. You know, they were farmers. Uh, a lot of them were shepherds. and That was kind of their their living. And so as the crops came in as the the new animals were born, uh, there was just this understanding that they would give of uh, their produce, they would give of their animals, they would give that as an offering to God. So, and, and they did it because they believed, one, that God gave them that, and he did, and he created that, and he made it happen for them. But they also believed by sacrificing a little, God was, would give them much. Right? And, and so that was the idea. And, and so that's what we've been looking at over the last couple weeks is how do we spend our money? Uh, last week we looked at our time. How do we spend our time? Uh, time is a valuable commodity uh, that you can't get back. Once today's over, there's no going back. Um, and so this morning we're going to talk about our talents. <laughs> And and the gifts that God has gave us, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how uh, the expectation of we use them in the body of believers. So, if you would, as always, I ask you to take a minute to kind of quiet yourself, to pray, to ask the Spirit to speak to you, and then I'll pray. God, I I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the fact that you've laid out for us in Scripture uh, so many ideas of how we're supposed to live for you, and really this is just another one of those, that that you understand how precious things are, but you also understand that if we're not careful, these things in our lives can take us away from really the one thing that matters, and that's you in relationship with you. As always, I pray that, that you speak through me, God. You you protect the words that are coming out of my mouth. You protect those who are here listening, those who might listen to this message later, that, that you speak to them. God, you give them what you need to show them. Because it's not about me. It's not about us. But, but it's about you speaking through us and you guiding us in our lives. God, I, I thank you so much for... Who you are? thank you so much for what you do, and I thank you so much for Christ and His decision to die on the cross for me and everyone in the world. We love you. We thank you. Sons, we pray. Amen. Like I said, the, the idea of first fruits is is not a it's a, not an uncommon topic. Uh, One of the things that I think someone said to me, uh, rather jokingly, uh, at least I think it was a joke, um, two Sundays ago, uh, we preached on money. And that's like a hard topic for a lot of people. And and listen, I I know the culture. I know how it looks. I know there's churches in this country that have millions of dollars. And, you know, I'm not unaware of that. And I know that there's churches who use a lot of that to do a lot of good things. I know there's a lot of churches that abuse it. Um, so I, I pay attention. <laughs> you know, I, I see stuff on TikTok all the time. Uh, there's a, a minister once I was watching. and uh, He was going on and on about how his watch um, cost more than most people's car. And my initial reaction was, what kind of watch costs more than a car? And, and he almost did it gloating, and, and it was kind of annoying. And so I'm aware that when we talk about money that sometimes churches have a bad rap. But listen, the reality is, is the money that we bring in on churches is how we function. Uh, it covers the salary, covers my salary, it's how we have you know, the stuff that we have, it's why we have a building, it's why the lights are on. So I, I don't want to sit here and downplay the fact that what you offer to the church, listen, we should be utilizing it for the kingdom. That's our goal. Uh, most churches, if you didn't know, are a five oh one three C, right? So we're considered a nonprofit and, and, and so when I talk about money, when the Bible talks about money, there's this there's kind of this two part understanding. Is one, as your first fruits, you offer this to God. So your tithe is is given out of faith to God. Uh, Paul talks about this in Second Corinthians that he encourages people to be a, a cheerful giver, a, a love, you know, happy, joyful giver. And then there's a there's a the second part of that is you trust us as a church to do what we believe God is asking us to do. So we help feed, you know, the hungry and the needy. And we help take care of our community. Um, the Brown Bag Diner is something we started in May, right? So you know, money we have come in goes towards that, feeding families. And so. When we talk about first fruits, giving of our first fruits is all about faith. It's it's telling God, listen, I know that I need this, but truthfully I need you more. <laughs> so I'm going to prioritize you over this because I know that if I give you this, you're going to provide. And, and it's the same with our time, right? So that, that's kind of where we're headed is I have so much time in a day, I have 24 hours in a day. And if I if I promise to give God a certain part of my day, a certain part of my time, if I commit to that, I believe that when I do that, that he is going to make sure that everything else falls in place. Now, here's what I'll tell you is sometimes we have to prioritize a little bit. Sometimes we don't have enough money to give, not because we're not making enough, but we're not using it correctly. Right? I can tell you that. I know that. When I was 20 years old... <laughs> First thing I did as a 20-year-old is I went out and I bought a brand new car. It got repo two years later. <laughs> I'm not proud of that, but what I'm telling you is, if I would have actually sat down and looked at my situation, I would have not bought, I should have not bought a new car. In my mind, is I can afford this. I couldn't, <laughs> right? I know that. So sometimes we don't have anything left to give to God because we don't prioritize. Same with our time. People always tell me, well, I don't have time in a day to spend time with God. If you have time to binge watch a Netflix series, you have time to spend with God. <laughs> right? It, it's about prioritizing. And, and so today we're going to talk about how do we use our talents? How do we use our gifts? You and I, uh, we're all incredibly unique. Everyone, uh, There's certain things that, that I can do in my life that I appreciate, and there's a skill set that I have, and there's certain skills uh, that you have that, that I don't. And and, and there's a, there's an expectation of how we use our talents and, and how God expects us to use the things that he gives us. And Jesus actually uses a parable to teach this. Matthew 25, uh, verses 14 through 30. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold won at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So he doubled it. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. He doubled his. But the man who had received one bag, one off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. "Master," he said, "you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See? I've gained you five more." His master replied, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so the one i return i would have received it back with interest so take the bag of, so he took the bag of gold from him and he gave it to the one who had 10 bags forever has will be given more and they will have an abundance whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth so that last part is a line that a lot of people read and they're so like, well, what did he do wrong? He didn't lose his money. Yes, but he didn't do anything with it either. So, so when the, the master says to him, you should have at least taken it to the bankers and then deposited it, at least I would have got back interest. It, in the day, walking, going to a bank was it was fairly easy. You could just walk up to a money lender and you would deposit it, and there was this record, and it would sit, and they would gain interest, kind of like you, uh, you know, banks today. You kind of like deposit into a savings account, and if you don't touch it, <laughs> you, can, you can gain interest. But instead of doing the really simple thing, the servant decided to take what he was given and go dig a hole and bury it. He he put more effort. Into hiding it, instead of just doing something with it. And listen, he knew his master. Even says, "I I knew you, you could harvest where you hadn't sown." And the master's like, "And still, you chose to do nothing." Uh, in the in the scripture, it's called the, the parable of the talents. Um, it's actually it's talking about money. So the parable of the coin, and 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 the problem, like I said, it. It's not that he, it's not that he hid the money, but, but he had a gift, and he chose to do nothing with it. And the other two, they did, they they doubled it. And and the master says, listen, because you've doubled it, I'm going to give you more. When when we talk about talents in the church, there, I really do mean that. There, there's so many things that, that you you might be able to do that I can't. I know that. If, if the toilet of your house gets clogged and you need to replace your toilet, you're not calling me. Now, if you need me to hit it with a sledgehammer because you're trying to break it, you call me. I got it. But but if you need me to replace the toilet in your house, you're not calling me. Can I do it? Yep. Is it going to leak? Yep. <laughs> is it going to have to be redone? Oh yeah. <laughs> like I know that. I know what my. I know where I lack, man. I I am completely aware. I, I'm the guy that there's a lot of things I've learned, but there's a lot of stuff I've watched on YouTube. Like I don't even think I should try this, right? And and that's okay because the the way that the body of believers is supposed to work is as each of you have something to bring. And. And and it's it's a shame really when when you see people who are in the church and you love them and you're trying to you're trying to work together and and there's so many people that I don't they just for whatever reason they choose not to use their gifting. Maybe it's a, a lack of understanding of the importance. Maybe it's they don't know where they belong. Maybe they just don't they don't want to. And I know I've talked about this before, but uh, the average percentage of a church that serves regularly is about twenty percent. Church of twenty people, church of a hundred people, on average, only twenty people in that congregation serve regularly. Only twenty percent of those people actually use their God-given talents to further the kingdom, and and we wonder why. You know, like the number one cause of ministers leaving the pulpit, you know what it is? It's burnout. I've never been in full time ministry, it can be exhausting. But the number one reason why ministers leave churches and why they leave the pulpit, why they leave ministry in general, is burnout. And it's because they're, for whatever reason, in our society there's like this really unrealistic expectations of ministers like the guy preaching on Sunday morning has to be the secretary he has to be the event coordinator Uh, he has to make sure that the, the live stream is working uh, he has to make sure to to handle all of the hospital calls. He has to make sure to handle the, you know, all the home visits. He has to make sure that every situation, that every person in the church, that he's like he ha- he's responsible for discipling every single person. And and listen, I I say that because that really is kind of an overwhelming expectation. And and so a lot of ministers, what happens is, is they 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 do this right. They run full throttle. For a couple of years, and they're just like, I can't do this anymore. I've seen it. I took a break from ministry because of it. I was tired. I, I've seen I've seen ministers who. <laughs> I read an article recently. A, a, a gentleman who uh, has been in the church for 20 years, and he just he's had enough. He's gonna be a realtor. <laughs> and 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 part of the the reason why burnout happens. Is because the minister is not supposed to be the one doing everything. That's not how the body works. Every person here has something they can bring to the table. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you know if someone's in the hospital, you can visit them. You can. Go see them. If you know someone's struggling, you can pray with them. If you know someone's in need, you can meet a need. Now it doesn't mean you don't and let me know, because I do, I want to know. And I I I love knowing what's going on. That and part of the shepherding is is that. You know, we have elders who shepherd and even they have you know a little more responsibility, but but as a community of believers, you and I are supposed to work together. That's the only way this works. The only way the church will ever continue to function and the only way the church will ever be healthy is if everyone's doing their part. Because instead of being a burden, we serve together and it brings us joy. Instead of, you know, feeling like, oh, I can't do all of this on my own, we have enough of an understanding to say, you're right, I can't. And you start to reach out to people and say, hey, listen, I need your help. Like I said, if, if, if the toilet at your house needs to be replaced and you call me, I'm not, no, that's not true. I'll show up, but I'm bringing somebody with me. <laughs> I'm going to call someone who knows what they're doing and say, listen, I need you to come with me and I need you to help me because I can't do this. And, and that's exactly how it's supposed to be. Uh, Paul talks about this, 1 Corinthians 12 Verses 12 through 27. Just as one body, though, not just as a body, though one, has many parts, but it all has many parts, uh, but all the parts from one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, which is to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, uh, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, can you imagine that? Kind of weird. Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. It, it, it. it has to be a community effort. It has to be. If you are here, if you are part of the kingdom of God, you are part of the body, you have a purpose. I don't, I don't know what your purpose is. I, I know where mine is where I believe that God has gifted me to to do the things that I do. But but what I know is that every time I see you, I have to remind myself that you're part of this body too. And and there's something that you're bringing to the table that I can't do. I, I can't act like you don't matter. And you can't act like I don't matter. Because every part of the body is designed to work together. You never appreciate how fragile your body is one i think as you get older i hear that all the time from people that are older than me just someday wait i'm like i'm already there <laughs> my knees hurt anyways i said that to someone the other day and they're like well that's just the start of it and i was like don't say that's me <laughs> like right uh, so, you, people who have been living for a long time appreciate the value of the body. But you also appreciate the value of the body when when a part of your body becomes injured. I mean, Eleven years ago, twelve years ago, when I was here, uh, uh, some of you might remember. But I, I ended up know I ended up pinching the nerve in my back. Uh, my nerve, my sciatic nerve, actually got stuck in my in the bone in my hip. I have no idea uh, I would love to tell you it's because I was like lifting a car off a small child but it wasn't that uh, I was laying down a tile floor and I think I sat in the wrong place for a long time and so when I stood up it pinched and I fell over and we were living downtown on the second the, the house I was in the bathroom the second floor and we had to call the squad and uh I don't know if you guys have noticed but I'm not little uh and and they had to carry me down the steps. And listen, there was part of me thinking, I was like, can I just slide down on my own? Because, like, if you drop me, this is going to get worse. Uh, but they did. And they put me in one of those, like, chair, it was like a chair cot, I think is what it was. And they carried me down the steps. And I don't think i ever prayed so hard in my life. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, they're going to drop me. This is it. And, and so I ended up in the hospital for a couple of days. I couldn't move. Uh, like I couldn't even like roll over It was miserable, and I uh, spent so the next six months uh, if you ever came into the office while I was here, uh, once I got to the hospital, I spent the next six months pretty much laying on the floor of my office to do work because if I moved or sat wrong for too long, it was just it was debilitating and and I was taking, i think I was going to do like a bottle of like aspirin a day just to function, and I remember that i was I was struggling. Because I, I, my life growing up, I was always the big guy. I could handle things, and and nothing could stop me. And here I am, in my twenties, twenty three, twenty four, laying on the floor, not able to function. And you know, you've been sick for like a long time, and you just feel like this is never going away, ever. And, and in my mind, I had resolved that this is my life. This is the rest of my life. I can't. I'm never going to move. By the grace of God, that didn't happen. But, but the one thing that I learned from that moment is, man, I appreciate my back now more than ever. When I was in my teens and I lifted stuff without bending my knees properly, I was like, I'll be fine. Now when I bend stuff, I'm like, because <laughs> I don't want to risk it. I, I, because it, I, I now understand how important the, the, the core of my body is because I didn't have it for a while. And, and so that's, that's how we have to be with each other, is that when we look at each other, we should see people that belong. Because for some reason, God has brought you here. So you're part of the body. There's something that you could bring to the table. I need you. I need all of you. And, and I hope that you feel that way about me. That, that you need me. That that if we can work together, if we can figure out how to become unified, how to how to continue to strive for that. To come together and and to put aside our differences. To put aside the difficult things. Listen, I, I know not everyone likes me. I'm not unaware of that. Like that's life, man. I uh, and I told that to Everett one time. He's like a kid at school doesn't like me. I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy, but that's not going to go away. And, but but if we can get past that and realize that that we have a, a much bigger purpose, right? And and that's what Paul is talking about—that Jew, Gentile, slave, free—doesn't matter who you are. But as you come together, remember that you have one goal in mind, and that's to see the kingdom of God flourish on this world, on this earth. That, that is what is our driving factor because you and I have this singular focus. How do I bring the kingdom of God down? And how do I help others who are down here see the importance of looking up? And, and if we can do that. If we can do that, we are unstoppable. Paul writes in Ephesians 4 that there's, there's an importance to unity. This is a prisoner, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace... Has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, "When he had ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people." What does the ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower, earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave. Uh, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ, the church, may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. What are your talents? What are you bringing to the body? How are you serving? How are we working together? Satan's greatest tactic in the church today is division. He does it. And and listen, he does it well. That's the part that saddens me. Because he starts to pick. And he starts to make things personal. Personal. And, and we start to allow pride to creep in. And, and all of a sudden, we're like the hand that says to the foot, I don't need you. And Paul's like, that doesn't even make sense. Because every part of the body has a purpose. So so when we come together, when we meet on Sunday mornings, how are we working together to further the kingdom of God? Listen, i said this before, and I believe it, that God doesn't ask us for our first fruits because he needs it. He's God. You you realize that he could do this without us, right? By the way, he had to do it without us. That's why Jesus died. Because no amount of sacrifice, no matter of human interaction would ever be able to accomplish what the Son of God did the moment that he gave up his life on the cross. And and the moment that that happened, what I love about it is God could have been like, all right, I've taken care of it. We're no longer going to worry about it. Everyone's good. But he didn't. What he said is, and when Jesus came back after he rose from the dead, he came together with his believers. He's like, now listen, go do what I showed you. Become part of this journey with me. Everything that I've taught you, because what the world needs now is me. They need to know who Jesus is. And you and me are the ones who are supposed to do it. And we have to work together. It's it's not optional. heart starts to fail the body starts to fail when you break a leg it can make you ineffective when your brain dies the body dies there's this understanding that this human body is this incredible intricate creation that it works exactly like it's supposed to. Doesn't mean that it's always perfect all the time, but it means that that if, that if there's something wrong in the body, I I think about a friend of mine that I know um, a couple of years ago had uh, a to get. A couple of limbs amputated and diabetic, different things. But, but what's interesting about what happened is um, when he first kind of got diagnosed with it, uh, the doctor did everything he could to course correct the situation. My friend did everything that he could to course correct. Doesn't always work, sometimes it happens. But but what I I thought was interesting is is a lot of times I think when when the body when, when the church needs help the easy solution is to cut it off <laughs> right that that's that's the easy one but 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 that's not the biblical way Jesus is all about restoring and, and Paul talks about uh, being peacemakers and and about you know, bringing unity. Uh, because the understanding is that, that if you and I really want to be effective, we've got to work together. So so if we're not working together, we're working against each other. And when you and I are working against each other, Satan wins. Every time. Because that is what he does. He, he will convince you that this part of the body is unnecessary. And as you walk that way, it starts to fall apart. Christ says... Everyone matters because I'm the head of it anyway. If you are in Christ, part of his church, he's in charge. You and know, I just have a part to play. And, and so that that's my question to you is, is, what is that part for you? I just want to read off a, a few quick things. I was sitting this week thinking different ways to serve in the church. I just want to give these to you mentoring believers, young and old, discipling someone. I think that's something we all should be doing. You could serve on the worship team, you could serve in the nursery, you could serve in the kids' church, you can serve at outreach events, the brown bag diner, the tech team, church work days, helping maintain our properties, uh, parking lot ministry, welcome team, setting up meals for families in need, hospital visits, Thanksgiving boxes, Magi boxes, October collection, back to school fair next year, start, lead a community group, Pray for the church, pray for me, pray for the leadership, pray for the community. Like, have this in mind that when you walk into the building, how am I serving? How am I serving the church and how am I serving the kingdom of God? How how am I investing, how am I building, and how am I multiplying? Listen, those are not just there because they look pretty. I like them. I thought they were cool. We actually chose the stained glass design on the top and bottom because we have stained glass windows. But, but I, we, as a church, we didn't put them so that you can come in and go, oh, that's some cute artwork. <laughs> that's really cute, guys. We put them because that, those three words are driving us. We're investing in the kingdom. We're building the kingdom. We're multiplying the kingdom. And, and every person here has a part to play every single one of you matter if I ever make you feel like you don't shame on me because I screwed up you're my family this is his church you and I can work together we have to The world is lost and broken. We have the only thing that could give people hope. If we're not doing it, no one else is. If we're not, if we're so worried... so worried about our own things we're missing the the greatest part about being in the kingdom of God if you're here you belong if you're here you have a purpose if you're here God has called you to something bigger than yourself This world doesn't need a another rock star preacher. Doesn't need another mega church. What this world needs is is people who love Jesus that just want to help other people love Jesus. A genuine desire to share everything that God has given me, whether my money, whether my time even my talents, to make sure that people understand that His kingdom is the only one that matters. Say it again. I've said it every week. Are you giving God your best or are you just giving Him what's left? Hey everyone. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. Hey, if you want to learn more about our church, check us out at refocuschurch.com or look us up on Facebook at Refocus Christian Church. We're located in Follinby, West Virginia. Uh, we'd love to have you and your family out. Come check out and see what God is doing on our people, in our community, in our church. All right. Later.